Good morning, brothers and sisters. My name is uh, Anwar Sawaya. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. It is my privilege uh, to preach God's word to you this morning. Before we look at today's passage, and for the sake of transparency, I'd like to convey that I use the book, the book, The Gospel of God, written by my previous pastor at ECC, Cam Aronson, on the book of Romans as a main resource for today's sermon. It is a brilliant book, and I highly recommend it to all. So let's uh, go ahead and uh, turn in your Bible to Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 17. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on the things of the flesh. But those who love according, live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Now the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset of the spirit is life and peace. The mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it is unable to do so. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he who raised Christ from the dead will also bring your mortal bodies to life through his spirit who lives in you. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit uh, you put the, to death the deeds of the body, you will live for all those who led by God's Spirit are God's Son. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received a spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ, with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. In the opening paragraph of his letter to the Romans, Paul describes himself as an apostle appointed by God, and his message is the gospel of Christ. And in this gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith. In other words, Paul claims that a man can't be justified before God or declared righteous by God if that person puts his trust in the finished work of Christ on the cross. And for the next seven chapters, Paul brilliantly, brilliantly develops in depth this great doctrine of, of justification. He discusses humanity's fallen nature and its separation from God, 
the need for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ and the struggle between the desires of the flesh and the spirit. But Paul, or Paul emphasizes the righteousness that comes only through faith and highlights the role of grace in salvation. The law is discussed in terms of revealing sin, but not providing justification, pointing to faith in Christ as the only way that we can be justified. Then he goes on in the first four verses of chapter 8 to give a summary uh, of what he addressed in the previous seven chapters. In those verses, Paul tells us that therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For that which could not be accomplished through the law for our justification and salvation, God did by sending His only Son to be a sin offering on our behalf. And all we must do is to receive it and to believe in Christ and the gospel. Friends, without Christ, we are all under the condemnation of God because of our sinfulness. But Jesus, the second person of the Trinity of God, is God who is God, became a man, born of the Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life, took upon himself the punishment of our sins by dying on a cross, and on the third day, he conquered death by rising from the grave. And all, and I mean all, those who repent and put their faith in Him and in His finished work on the cross, God justifies. He declares not guilty before the court of heaven. Justification is a legal term of saying not guilty. Maybe you are here for the first time and you're not a Christian. You have not trusted Jesus for your justification and salvation. If that is you, friend, you have an open invitation by Christ to come to Him, to believe and trust Him for your justification. And the promises of God is that you will then have eternal life in Him. This is by far, and I mean by far, the most important decision that you can make in life. It literally is the difference between heaven and hell. Pastor Marwan and I will be glad to answer any questions that you might have regarding justification. Now, in Romans 8, verses 5 through 17, the text for today, Paul transitions from developing the doctrine, the great doctrine, doctrine of justification, to develop, develop, developing the important doctrine of sanctification. 
Paul points to us the wonderful reality that we as Christians are not only in Christ or united spiritually with Him, but that Christ is in us. Not only we are in Christ, but that Christ is in us. We find that truth sprinkled throughout this, the passage that I read. But we see it more clearly in verses 9 and 10, where Paul tells us, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. Did you notice that? If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Now, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. The Holy Spirit, also referred to as the Spirit of God, the Spirit of Christ, and simply as Christ, who is a gift from God to us, now lives in us. What a marvelous reality that we have as Christians. In contrast, Paul makes it clear that those who are not in Christ do not have the Holy Spirit in them. In other words, one fundamental difference between the Christian and the non-Christian, between the believer and non-believer, between the person who have, just, who have been justified by God and the person who has not, is that the Christian has a spirit of Christ living inside of him or her. But the non-believer does not. Let me suggest to you that the moment the moment, and I mean it, the moment we put our trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, we are indwelt by or baptized by the Holy Spirit. Immediately. There is no gap. When we come to Christ, we are baptized by the Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Why did God choose to indwell us through His Holy Spirit. Well, it is because the fact that we have the Spirit in us that our sanctification will grow and develop. Now, I need to pause for a second and define what I mean by sanctification. While justification is to be declared righteous by God. It is a declaration, even though that we are still sinners, we are declared by God as righteous because of Christ. Sanctification is to be made righteous by Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the process in which we become more righteous and more obedient to the Word of God. This is a long, lifelong process. It does not end until we die and go to be in glory with the Lord. The Spirit of Christ, brothers and sisters, is in the business of transforming our lives from the inside out. 
Jesus wants to transform our minds, our hearts, and our actions so that we begin to look like Him and therefore reflect His glory here on earth. This sanctification will be the primary theme of the rest of Romans 8 and in fact, the rest of the book of Romans. Now in today's text, Paul, point, Paul points out three ways, three ways in which the indwelling Spirit of God works in our lives. Three ways in which the indwelling Spirit of God uh, works in our lives. And he demonstrates that by contrasting the way of the flesh and the way of the Spirit. First, the Holy Spirit gives the believer a new mindset or a new way of thinking or a new worldview, if you will. We find that in verses 5 through 8, but in verse 5, we read this. For those who live according to the flesh have their minds, have their thinking set on the things of the flesh. But those who, love, uh, those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. Our way of looking at life when we were living according to the flesh, was to focus on the flesh. That is, fleshly values, fleshly pleasures, fleshly solutions, solutions to life's problems. It is a very self-centered way of thinking. It does not take into consideration God's thoughts or God's way of living and doing things. It is the idea that I sit on the throne of my life. I am in charge and no one else. And I will do whatever I think is right. Whatever pleases me and me only. It's about me, 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 me. I remember before coming to Christ, my view of life was seen through the, value, through the lens of the flesh and my self-centeredness. I lived my based, I, I lived my I lived my life based on the principle, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow I, I die. I had no real hope in life, no real purpose to work towards. My view of self, of God and faith, my family and friends, of education, of work, of entertainment, of politics, really all of life was very distorted and twisted and downright sinful. That way of thinking did not take into consideration anyone but me, and it led me down a road of self-destruction. I am ashamed to say that immediately prior to coming to Christ, I dropped out of college and used the hard-earned money that my dad sent to me in the U.S. on booze, women, cars, and other pleasures. See, that fleshly way of living 
was not just harmful to me. It was harmful to my parents whom I deceived and I lied to. And the sad part of all of that is that the cry of my heart at the time was always echoing the chorus of a song by the rock and roll band, The Rolling Stones. It says this, I cannot get no satisfaction because I try and I try and I try and I can't get no satisfaction. The way of the flesh might bring temporary pleasure, but it could never fully satisfy the soul. If it wasn't for the intervention of God in my life, I would have been a total mess right now. I give all glory to God on how He changed my life. But in Christ, the Holy Spirit gives us a new mindset, a new way of looking at life, a new worldview that wants to please God and can, and can please God. It is a mindset that is consistent with God's design and God's word that gives us hope for this life, hope for eternity, and purpose in life. This mindset brings deep sense of peace, contentment, and joy to our lives. Nothing else in this whole universe can bring that to us. In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul tells us, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing and perfect will of God. Did you notice that? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is a drastic difference between the old and the new that results from the new reality that the Spirit of Christ now lives in us. Paul helps us Understand how drastic this change is by contrasting two mindsets, sets in verses 6 and 8. He says, for to set the mind of the flesh is death. That's a contrast. But to, sit, to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Do you see, brothers and sisters, how dramatic this contrast is? The mindset that focuses on the flesh leads to death. It is hostile towards God. It, re it refuses to submit to the law of God and couldn't do so even if it tried. So let me ask you, brothers and sisters, are you still holding on to the fleshly way of thinking, or are you allowing the Lord to transform your mind, to give you a new worldview, a worldview that is consistent with the Word of God? Husbands, are you giving in to the cultural 
and fleshly norms of dealing with your wives. Lording it over her and showing who's the boss. Instead of living with your wife in an understanding way and exhibiting servant leadership in your home. Ladies, are you desperately clinging to worldly ideas of youth and outer beauty rather than cultivating the inner beauty of a quiet and gentle spirit which is precious, we're told in 1 Peter, in God's sight? So, first, the Holy Spirit gives us a new mindset. Second, the Holy Spirit Spirit gives us a new power to conquer sin and to follow the Spirit's leading. As believers in Christ, we are called to declare war on the older order of the flesh. This is what Paul states in verse 13. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. This is radical language to describe our battle against sin. Put to death the deeds of the body. Kill it. (laughs) It's a war. It recalls Paul's language in chapter uh, 6 of Romans, verses 11 through 12, where Paul tells us, So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make, it, to make you obey its passions. This is the language of our new reality and our new obligations. We have no obligation to the older order. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us that we have been set free from the bondage of sin. We are no longer in slavery to the old ways. We have no obligation to the old, old order and its habits and patterns of thought, word, and action. In fact, we are to declare war on them and kill them. It is what we call a progressive present, describing ongoing progress, progressive action repeatedly on a daily basis, putting to death the deeds of the body because we now serve a new king. It's a daily battle. Why couldn't we do it? before we came to Christ. And the reason is because we were powerless in our own strength. Can't do it. Can't fight sin. We're in bondage in the flesh. We are in bondage to sin. But look again at verse 13. It says, but if by the Spirit put you... uh, You put to death the deeds of the body. The Spirit is the key agent in our sanctification. It is by His strength in us that we can gain victory and slay the deeds of the body. Today, if you are a child of God and dealing 
with some sinful addiction, maybe alcohol, drugs, pornography, lying, cheating, whatever it might be, the Holy Spirit has the power to deliver you from those addictions. It might be hard and it might take time, but not, make no mistake, He who is in us is more powerful than any sin, any addiction that we might have. Do not let the enemy deceive you into thinking you're helpless, you can't do it. It's a lie from the pit of hell. Then Paul writes in verse 14, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And we ask the question here, what kind of leading is this that Paul is talking about? Often when we talk about the leading of God or the leading of the Spirit, we are talking about His leading in some important decision, getting married, choosing a career, buying a house, moving to a new job or a new city, choosing, choosing sermon topics, choosing songs for Sunday's, Sunday worship service. Certainly, God does lead us in these important decisions as we seek His leading, but that is not the primary type of leading that Paul is talking about here. He is talking about moral leading with the Spirit of God as our moral compass and guide. In fact, we are told in Jeremiah 31 that was read earlier that the main promise of the new covenant is that the law of God will be written on our hearts by the Spirit of God. The Lord Jesus wants to internalize His law and His requirement by writing it not on the tablets of, snow, uh, of stone as He did with Moses, but on the tablets of our hearts so that we can have the power and the pleasure to live according to the Spirit. He will lead us in the battle against sin in our lives. He will show us, brothers and sisters, right from wrong, as well as give us the power to do that which is in accordance to God's Word. This is the Spirit's primary work and role within us. Sometimes people ask me, what criteria they should be looking for in joining a church? And my response typically starts with the don't. The don't. Don't choose a church just because you feel comfortable in it. Maybe everybody looks the same, have the same level of education, uh, same social status. Don't choose a church just because you like a certain style of music or certain ministries that meet your felt needs. Don't choose a church just because the pastor is cool and has a charismatic personality. Don't choose CBC because Pastor Marwan is so cool. Don't choose a church just based on its size. Those are preferences that can be taken into consideration, but, it, but they are not the main basis to choose the church. 
But brothers and sisters, choose a church that will always point you to Jesus. Choose a church that preaches the sound doctrine, especially in the essential matters of the faith. Choose a church where the pastors and members of the church come alongside of you and help and challenge you to walk in obedience to God's word by the power of your Holy Spirit. So we saw that first, the Holy Spirit gives us a new mindset. Second, the Holy Spirit gives us a new power. Third, the Holy Spirit gives us a new identity. A new identity. Look at Paul's words in verses 15 through 17. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. In Christ, we are given a new identity. We are now the sons and daughters of the Almighty God. And with that, with that comes new intimacy. We can call God Abba, Father. The title of endearment reserved for the firm family circle. I remember uh, that this verse came to life for me when my firstborn son, look at me, he was, he was still young, with his blue eyes, and said to me, Dada, Dada, Abba, Baba. I understood more deeply the fatherhood of God. And with a new identity also comes a new assurance. The indwelling Spirit of Christ Himself testifies directly, communicates directly to us, spirit to spirit, saying, you are one of God's children. Pastor Cam puts it beautifully when he says, it is a deep assurance that wells up from deep within the soul, mystical yet real, emotional and yet based on theological evidence and proposition, a deep abiding assurance that I am a child of God. That kind of relationship will help us to be secure in life, knowing that whatever happens, whatever I go through, I am in the hands of an almighty God, loving Father, perfect and sovereign Lord. And finally, we have a new privilege of being heir of God and co-heir with Christ. At the resurrection, we will share an inheritance in Christ's glory where we will be constantly in God's presence, where there will be no sin, no sadness, no tears, no pain, all of that 
all the things that we experience here, all the struggles of life, all the wars that we experience, all the heartbreaks will be wiped away by the Almighty God. And this hope of our new inheritance, as we look forward to it, as we meditate on it, causes us to persevere in Him today as we suffer with Him in this age. Brother, sister, how are you seeing yourself today? How do you look at yourself? Are you seeing yourself as a child of God? Or are you looking at yourself as still an orphan in this world? The enemy wants you to look at yourself not as a child of God, not as a son or a daughter of God, but as an orphan. Are you fearful of God because you see Him as a taskmaster who demands things from me? Or are you secure in His fatherly love for you and run to Him in time of need? Do you feel accepted and forgiven by your Heavenly Father? Or do you feel guilty and condemned because you see Him as a harsh and a distant God? My prayer for all of us is to be reminded deep in our souls that we are truly the children of the King. We've got to get this right. We've got to, to feel that fatherly, that fatherly reality of God, not only in our minds, but also deep in our hearts. We need to anchor ourselves on that fact. I want you to be able to remind yourself every morning to be reminded, to preach to yourself, if you will. The Bible says, I am an adopted child of God, and nothing in this life, nothing, no sin, no power, no demon, nothing can separate me from the love of my Father. He's got me. He's holding my hand so tight. And He would not let go even if we let go. He will not let us go. His love for us is eternal, perfect in every way. There is no one on earth that can love you and care for you like your Heavenly Father. Please be reminded especially as you're going through trials and tribulations of life and maybe, maybe you're broke. Maybe you're suffering an illness. Maybe you're losing a loved one right in front of your eyes. Be reminded that you're not alone in, in that, that you have a heavenly Father who loves you more, care about you more than anybody else, anything else. If you don't get anything out of this sermon, get this one. Your identity now is in Christ Jesus.
in conclusion, dear brothers and sisters, as we embark on a new year, 2024, let's be reminded that Romans 8, 5 through 17, paints a profound picture of the transformative work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It challenges us to shift our focus from worldly desires to spiritual matters, according, acknowledging the power of God's Spirit within us. As, as adopted children of God, we are heirs with Christ, destined for glory and freedom. Let us embrace this divine inheritance. Live led by the Holy Spirit and find comfort in the assurance that nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know that we have a lot to take in. This is a profound passage of scriptures. But I pray that this passage will be internalized in, in us. That your Holy Spirit will take the, the, those words and help us to and, and imprint them on the tablets of our hearts. Help us, Lord, to have a new mindset in you. Help us, Lord, to be led by your Holy Spirit, by conquering the flesh and walking in obedience to you. And finally, Lord, help us to have our identity uh, placed totally in you, Lord, and ultimately in you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.